0: Hey, and uh, before I begin, uh, I would like to take a minute just to pray for us, asking God to bless his time as we open up his word. So, if you bow your head to me and pray. God, we ask now that as we approach your word, which is holy and inspired and set apart from any other book, we ask, Lord, that your spirit would come and convict our hearts of areas, Lord, where we need to be challenged and grow. God, that you would encourage us by your love and your steadfast graciousness towards us. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that in this time, we would be open to hearing what you have for us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have these students here and to do this very act of worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned in my prayer, all of God's word is inspired... Which means that not just some parts of it are from God, but the whole thing we believe. And for that reason, all of this book, all 66 books within it, and the two testaments written over a long period of time, about 1,600 years, we believe as Christians that every single piece of Scripture is profitable for teaching. Let me add something. Tonight's message hits home a little more with me this time. So here's me admitting that at times I'm approaching Scripture and there's something there and it's profitable. However, there are times based on our circumstances and where we are in life and who we are that God's Word seems to hit home a little more than usual. Tonight, we are talking about... Talking about time. Time. Talking about how to honor God with our time. How to, as the psalmist would say in Psalm 90, number our days. And time is a pretty important thing. I think you'd all agree with that. When you're having a good conversation and you're having a good time, man, you say, wow, time flies when you're having a blast. Right? Or maybe you're in that conversation and you realize, you look at the clock, you say, oh man, I just wish we had more Time. Time is money. Time is something. So maybe um, a quote that we can just kind of use to help prime our brains um, to see how important time is. So this comes from a guy named A.W. Tozer, in which he says, Time, look up at the screen now, If if you're not used to this, right? I told you, pray for me. Time is a resource. So by that resource, is a commodity. It's something that you can actually use, <coughs> that you've been given. So time is a commodity, a resource, that is non-renewable and is non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it up for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. And here's the line that a lot of people quote A.W. Tozer for. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. I am talking to a group of people in which this quote doesn't come to you. How do I say this? Being young and youthful has its advantages. But maybe one of the disadvantages is that at times being youth, you think that growing old and retiring and having kids is so far away. Managing your time and seeing it as a valuable resource, a commodity, something that you can use, is not something that I think young people, especially people in high school, think about a lot. But in fact, time is so important. When you waste a day, you are never getting that day back again. When you spend eight hours binge watching your favorite show on Netflix or Hulu, Those eight hours are gone. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. See, here's the main point of Psalm 9. You'll get it out with it. That God wants us to number our days in order to make the most of our time. God wants us to number our days in order that we make the most of our time. You see, for those of you here who are seniors, I I'm assuming that most of you can say that you cannot believe how fast high school went. That just in a few months, you'll be done with your high school career. A lot of you will be moving out of your parents' homes. You'll be moving to new places. And you think, man, it just seems like yesterday that I was starting high school. I just turned 27 a week and a half ago, something like that. And I tell you what, I still cannot believe that I graduated high school nine years ago. It seemed like yesterday. It seemed like yesterday where I was in your seats. I remember trying to figure out what I want to do in my life. I remember studying for those biology and chemistry tests. I remember algebra like Mr. Bailey's class. And here I am now with uh, three kids, a mortgage, been married for almost six years, and I can tell you that when I walk in Costco, And people see our kids. It is always the old people who come up to us and say, enjoy these moments. Just take it in. Before you know it, they'll be gone. And I think Psalm 90 speaks to that. In that, we are reminded and told that God wants you to number your days in order to make the most of time. So in this passage, we'll see three different things that we are called to think about and to respond out of when it comes to viewing our time. So the first thing is that God is eternal. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had for, or or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are. God. I love Psalm 90 because this is actually the only psalm that Moses wrote. This is the one psalm that Moses wrote. And the historical backdrop of this psalm comes out of Numbers 20. And in Numbers 20, what happens, you have this story where Moses, he strikes the rock and he makes the water flow. And out of that, what happens? A lot of bad things, right? The people are grumbling, they're saying things. Well, Aaron the priest Moses' brother dies, and the people are being judged for their sins, and, and they're being punished. And so, out of this, there's this what we call a community lament song, where the whole nation of Israel is lamenting all of the hard trials that they've had ever since being in Egypt and all of that afterwards. And so, starting out in this community lament song, talking about our days, they remind themselves of this one thing: that God is eternal. You see, back to this first verse. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. What he's saying there is that, Lord, you you are our shelter. It is in you where we find our satisfaction. All of our generations, Lord, we look to you for our comfort. But, we know that you are not like us. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You see, something that's neat about God is that He is beyond our imagination. Sometimes I meet with people, and maybe it's even you, or people who are disgruntled about God. Or people who want nothing to do with Him. And then they they begin to explain to me who God is. And they're saying, you know, why would God allow this, and why would God do this? And on and on and on and on. And ultimately, do you know what I come back and say? The God you just described, I wouldn't want to worship either. And what Moses does before he launches into how frail humans are and how numbered and limited our years in life are, is he reminds himself of how big God is. I don't want you to do this now, but you begin to try to think the end of verse two from everlasting to everlasting, that we believe that God has had no beginning and he will have no end. It's almost impossible to imagine that. That is a God who cannot be made up. That is not a God who had to force himself how to love people. This is a God who is huge and he's eternal. And Moses is saying, God, you, you are awesome. You are great. You are eternal. And we are just men. In the midst of their lament, in the midst of their hardship, they reflect on who God is. And how he is their dwelling place um, this is a picture a very small distant picture but this picture is called pale blue dot and if you look at that little circle and that tiny little speck right there that is planet earth from six billion kilometers away this picture was taken February 14, 1990, where engineers were able to look at Voyager 1, and they were, they were able to point the cameras back to Earth and take a picture of what Earth looked like from 600, and billion, 600 billion, excuse me, not 600, not 600, just 6 billion kilometers away. Pale blue dot. So one scientist in response to this picture says this. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. So he's commenting about all the warlords in the world and what they've accomplished on the tiny little dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. And here's where it gets good. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in this universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet's is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all its vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. See, obviously obviously, the scientist doesn't believe in God. But what he says, he says, our planet is a lonely speck in a great enveloping cosmic dark. So he looks at Earth and he says, we are just but a speck of light. Out of a, a vast cosmic universe, that's earth. And on that earth, think of all the things and all the relationships and all the wars and all the hatred that happens on just that tiny little speck. See, I take a different meaning out of that, though. Than him crying out to somewhere in the universe to come help save us from ourselves. As we see how small and insignificant we are compared to the eternal God who made everything out of nothing. We need a bigger view of who God is. I do not need a small, tiny, genie-like God. I need a God who has made the expanse of the universe that makes Earth look like a tiny little speck. Now contrast this point that God is eternal and he is big. Now contrast this to the next point that he says man is mortal. So we'll read on in the psalm. It says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. So God, we know in Genesis 1 we see that, that God formed man out of the dust. And God is saying, you also return us back to dust. For a thousand years in your sight are but... As yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. And this is one of the most quoted verses in all of the Psalms. A great truth, a great encouragement. When it seems that life is going slow and nothing is really happening. Do you know what this verse is saying? That one day, one day for God is a thousand years for us. Really, it says right there, or as a watch in the night. It's a four hour time period. For God, a thousand years to us earthlings, it's like a four hour night watch for God. That God is not in time. He's not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or yesterday. Time is obsolete to him. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. He's talking about men right there. Men come up and they die. Men come up and they die, just like the grass. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. So this is Moses and the people of Israel. They're, they're lamenting about their sins. God, we are just men. We, we are going to return to dust. We, we have nothing about us. You see our sins. And it goes on. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. So maybe I can make it to 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. What he's saying here is that most people, not everyone, because Moses lived to the age of 120 about, lived to the age of about 70. If they're lucky, they make it to about the age of 80. And even in those 80 years of life, do you know what he says? It's hard. It's a toil. It's full of trouble. These days that we have, they're soon going to pass. We're just here for a moment. James 4 says that our life is like a mist. And those days are hard. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? And we reach finally this verse, verse 12. God is eternal. We're the tiny speck of light in a huge, vast universe. We are just but men. If we're lucky, we can live 80 years. We are going to return to dust. God sees our sins, and He sees our secret sins, and we are under His wrath. And here's what he says God is eternal, man is mortal, therefore, this is what Moses says teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. This verse helps explain the lament in the last couple of verses. Like I said, this psalm comes in the context of the people in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 20. And they are experiencing consequences for their sin. If you've read through the history of Israel, you see that they are constantly following the Lord and turning away. Following the Lord and turning away. And along the way, God corrects them and He rebukes them. And He sends down you know, snakes to bite them. Right? You know that story? And then to be healed, they had to look upon the snake and... All these things are happening and they're lamenting about God these days of ours. They're so short and even in this short life, Lord, it's so hard and we're under your wrath because you've seen our sins and you punished us. So Lord, this is what we're asking. Teach us to consider our mortality. Teach us to number our days This is what they're asking God. God, would you remind us of the importance of time? Do you see what I'm saying? They're asking God, God, help us to remember that you are eternal. And in this life, we only have a few short days Time is a commodity, it is a resource. And they realize that in their hardships and in their suffering, that they must treat time differently. And this is where maybe I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about how this relates to me and you. Because a lot of us, we do not ask the Lord for a mindset of understanding that I'm only going to be on this earth for a certain amount of time and do I really want to spend this certain small, insignificant amount of time wasting away? So I want to suggest three things of how we can learn to have a heart of wisdom in regards to how we use our time. First thing, is I think we need to learn in our time to have margin, margins. Some of you here live lives that are so filled up with so many things that it begins to be a hard thing to do any one thing well. So take this balloon, for example. So, maybe all of you have to go to school, okay? So. Cool right there, right? So say some of you you have sports, right? So you gotta go to practice and all good stuff. <sighs> and say a few more of you you might have a job or you know, do some things for your parents around the house, right? Well, you like hanging out with your friends and you can't ever say no to when they ask you to hang out. Well, then I need to watch my favorite shows. I mean, everyone else is watching them. Well, prom. I've got to go to prom. Youth group. Vacation. And this is our life. See, when God established the fourth commandment to the Israelites, does anyone know what the fourth commandment is? Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Pastor kid back there in the back, <laughs> getting it right. You see, before God, before the fourth commandment, do you know what people did? They worked their slaves and their donkey seven days a week until they dropped dead. And do you know what God said? For one whole entire day, you will do absolutely nothing. You will not work. You will rest. But do you see how I am maybe just one big puff away? One decision, one extra thing from letting this pop? You See, remember what I said earlier, how some parts of Scripture speak a little more loudly? Yeah, my life is this. I have a hard time saying no things. Aaron, can you do this? Absolutely. Aaron, you want to do this? Sounds great. Not to say that these things are bad, but at some point I have to realize that I can only do so much, and so I have to learn to say no, I have to create space, to do things well. And so I let a little air out, right? <laughs> Time is funny. Time is something that you can never get back if you waste. And some of us do such a poor job with our time in that we add so much into our lives and busyness that when it comes to things that should be priorities, things that should be important in your life, you don't do it. How many of you actively and purposely practice the Sabbath? I'm taking one day a week to not do anything to rest to be filled to get my batteries recharged instead of saying yes, yes, yes to everything maybe I need to learn to say no you need to learn to have margins if I'm just going to have all of my time all the way, always doing something I'm going to pop that was fun, right? second thing is that you need to view time as a valuable resource. See, I am all for that last point of taking a Sabbath and learning to rest and learning to maybe create some space in my life so that I can do things well, but something I've noticed with the rise of technology that it is really nice having so much stuff to do right in front of my face. I think if you really added up the amount of time you spend in front of your phone, playing games, social media, Facebook, watching Netflix or Hulu, I think you guys would be surprised at just how much time we waste. And time is not something that you should want to waste. You know, one of my favorite authors, Joshua Harris, will be at creation. He's going to speak. You should all go to creation. When he was 15 and 16 and a teenager in high school, his dad said, these are some of the most important times of your life. So during summer, him and his brother, his parents made them read 12 books each summer. 12 good books. And he, he forced his kids. You will not be one of those kids that's going to bum and sleep in every single day and do nothing and listen to the peer pressure of, oh, you work really hard. Just enjoy your summers. He made them get a job. He made them read. He made them work out. Because he said, these are some of the most important times of your life. And I really wonder, for some of you guys, you binge really hard at pushing yourself to be so busy that when it comes to rest, you... You're like slobs. Don't don't tell me how long you sleep in for. Time is important, and we need to see what the psalmist is saying. Moses is saying, God, we just have a few little days here. Help me to number it well, help me to be wise. I like watching Chopped and The Amazing Race, and then you know, those are about two shows that I, I regularly keep up with, and I'm not saying it's bad, to, I, I, I go on Facebook too sometimes, but I, some of you with video games, or maybe even friends, or leisure time, really need to rethink, am I using time? Well, third thing. And what I think we should do when it comes to viewing our time well is being mindful of what Scripture says about time as well. James 4 says that life is just a mist. Ephesians 5.16 says to make the best use of time because the days are evil. When Jesus is talking about the second coming, He says concerning that hour no one knows, not even angels, as a way to stimulate them to always be on their guard for when He will come back that if you think about Paul in Colossians, he may not use time, but if time is something that we've been given and we can use freely, what does he say? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it to the glory of God. Are you bringing one of the most precious, valuable resources that you have your time in line with what it means to be under Christ's lordship and authority? if you were to die today and you were to be held accountable for how you spent your time, what would be said of you? One of the greatest truths that we have as Christians is that when Jesus left his earthly ministry and he ascended into heaven, do you know what he said? "So I'm coming back. No one knows when. And that return of his is imminent, which means it can happen at any moment. I do not want to be watching Netflix for six hours and Jesus comes back. Your time is important. It's a valuable resource. So, clearly we see from all these points That because we are mortal, because one day every single one of you will die and return back to dust, that you need to realistically look at your time and say, God, help me to be wise in numbering my time. The last point that we learn from Psalm 90 is that we need to be grateful for the time that we have. And before I divide dive into this point i want to say something the time that you have been given on this earth whether that be 70 or 80 years or maybe for some of you shorter or longer life is not supposed to be something that we have to get through life is an adventure it's a journey and God has given you time to say, go, live life, enjoy the good things that he's given for you. And a lot of times we settle for second best. And so we need to learn to be grateful for the time that we have. Moses goes on to say, return, Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Interpret that as saying, uncle, you got us. Enough, Lord, we get it. We are mortal. We can't do this. We need your help. Return to us satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad in all of our days. God, help us to see, even in the hardship of these days that we have, that we can be satisfied by you. Do you ever have just days where you just want to get through? I just, I just got to get through these next couple days and then I'll pick up. No, not for Moses. Satisfy me in this day that I will rejoice and be glad all of our days. That there aren't just days to get through. There are days to say thank you, Lord, for this day. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. That's an incredible thing to say. Maybe it's a cliche thing to say to a friend when they're having a bad day. Well, at least you're breathing. So maybe don't say that. Maybe say to yourself, God, make me glad for this horrible train wreck of a day. And for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands upon When we begin to be grateful for the time that we have, we begin begin to see this one thing. That our time can be used for God's glory. Here's the danger of missing what Psalm 90 is teaching. The danger of this is that you would fill your life with a life of meaninglessness. let me tell you something all of you here are you have a distinct advantage of hearing these words and here's my here's my plea and my call and my cry out to you uh, let these words make you wise before your time let them shoot you forward above all the people of your age that you learn to understand that life is not worth living on little triples or moments of fun, but life is worth living when we can use the work of our hands to the glory of God. All of this passage, I believe, boils down to whether or not we are truly going to say, Lord, you have all of my life. And look to Christ and say, you deserve my everything. And that includes my time. This is the point of Psalm 90. Like God wants us to number our days in order to make the best use of our time. But let me explain what I say make the best use of our time. I am not trying to Tell you that you need to go home and pronounce something you find on the internet of how to manage your time better. Although that's probably good. I'm not saying if you learn to manage your time well that you know everything will fall into place and you'll feel less stress. And, although that would be good. What I say, make the best use of time, is to realize that your life can be used for the kingdom of God. A life that is lived but not used for the service of Christ, hear me say this, is a tragedy. A life filled with the greatest pleasures that the world can offer you with the best job and a lot of money and a picture-perfect family, but your time not used for Christ and His kingdom is a sad reality for so many people. To a group of high schoolers, my word is this. Consider your mortality. That you are here for just a small amount of time. Yet God is asking you to say, will you use these short and hard days for something that is meaningful? For something that will actually give you true satisfaction? Do you want to know how important time is? Do you want to learn to value how time is? Ask the student who's been held back a year how important one year is. Do you want to learn to value time? Do you want to learn to value the the amount of a month? Ask the parents of a baby born premature. Do you want to see the importance of one hour? Ask the businessman who misses his flight and loses a big deal because of it. Do you want to see how important a minute is? Ask the man who's in a restaurant and has a heart attack and happens to have an EMT next to him and save his life. Do you want to know the value of a second is? Ask a family who misses a head-on-head collision. Do you want to know the value of a millisecond? Ask that to an Olympian silver medalist your time every second can count for something but time will become your enemy if you do not learn to number your days if you do not begin to say that my youth will come to an end sooner than i expected. And if we do not learn to create margin and use our time well and to understand what the, the rest of Scripture says about how we need to use our time in response to the Lord coming back and how we need to understand that time is a valuable resource and commodity that it cannot be transferred to tomorrow. That tomorrow, today will be gone and it is never coming back. So I would ask you in this day, would you believe and trust what God wants for you. That you learn to ask God help me to consider my mortality, to number my days in order that I can use these small and hard years for your glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the message of Psalm chapter 90. Father, we are all tempted here to make ill use of our time, Lord, to waste it to not think it's important just to get through certain days. Father, we ask that you would help us to count our days, to consider our mortality. Lord, that you are eternal. God, you are awesome and you are big. And so, Lord, even in the worst of days, the train wreck of days, help us to be wise with our time. Help us to know that Jesus will be coming back at any moment. Why don't you guys take a minute and begin to ask God, what it would it look like for you to number your days, for you to live a life where you spend your time in ways that are not wasted. In a minute we'll sing.